four nerds in their 30s, each with family and job responsibilities. Time is limited, money is limited, maturity is setting in, but there's always time for a little lunch. Pull up a chair and open up your brown paper bag. Nerd Lunch is beginning now. Happy New Year and welcome to a brand new episode of the Nerd Lunch Podcast. It is episode number 18 and I am excited about starting the year 2012 off with a whole bunch of podcasts and we uh, welcome you back to uh, listening to us, Nerd Lunch Coteers, and also uh, welcoming back to uh, our podcast uh, is the usual uh, band of folks around the table. First up from the NerdLunch.net blog, Jeej. Good morning, Jeej. Good morning, guys. I'm hoping we can uh, hurry it up tonight, get this done, because I'm in the middle of writing a great story about a sexy podcaster who travels through time to make love to both Major Kira and Grace Kelly from Rear Window in the same night. His name? Jeed. <laughs> sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, we should get off, because I want I want to read that when you're done. Oh. You just blew my mind. <laughs> All right, and from the Cavalcade of Awesome at the Cavalcade of Awesome.net, Paxton Holly. What's going on, guys? I, I feel a little out of because my story was only about uh, Doc Brown traveling into the future to kick Doctor Who's ass. So uh, <laughs> mine's not quite as good as Jeej's. I'd still read that, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, fin- I'll finish it up and send it along. Excellent. I want nothing to do with that story. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> And I hope that you don't do any dishonor to the sonic screwdriver, is all I can say. <laughs> oh, there's something going on with the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and uh, back again. He he loved it so much, he's come back uh, from the sexyarmpit.com. Welcome back, Jay. That's right, I'm back for more. Thanks for having me on, and I'm looking forward to our discussion today. And let's just say there's some hotties from Etheria. That are going to be brought up today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, what's been going on, Jay? You, uh, it's been a few episodes since you've been on. Anything you've been up to? Yeah, not much. The usual stuff up here in New Jersey, the sexy armpit. And, um, you know, I've just been kind of hanging out, uh, working hard. And um, that's about it. Nothing really has changed since the last time. I spoke to you guys, but I'm looking forward to the show today. Other than you have a whole bunch of new readers now because they heard about you on our podcast, I'm assuming, right? Abs- absolutely. Yeah, it was a windfall. It was amazing. <laughs> the, ar- the armpit became overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. I, I was crashing blogger and everything. <laughs> that explains it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's move on. As we've sort of alluded to, our topic in this episode is uh, – Fan fiction, and we'll get a little bit more into the specifics in just a few minutes. But I just kind of want to talk a, a little bit about fan fiction in general, and uh, wanted to see if any of you guys, any of you ever, uh, have any of you ever been avid readers of fan fiction before in the past? Jeej? I have not. <laughs> uh, this past? may be the first fan fiction I've read uh, all the way through. I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, Pax? Uh, I have to say, uh, yes, I have to say I was. Um, back when the internet, when I first started really browsing the internet in college, I would go to Usenet 
and uh, the work you know, use groups there, and they had a bunch of fan fiction site fan fiction sets, and especially the Star Trek ones. Uh, I read a lot of Next Generation stuff, especially like Q episodes. There was one that sticks out in my mind that I was trying to find for this podcast, where um, it's a Quantum Leap Star Trek mashup, where uh, Sam goes back, where Sam leaps into Q. <laughs> and uh, it was a it was a pretty good, it was a pretty crazy episode, but I couldn't find it, and I really tried hard to find it, but uh, I, I didn't know I couldn't. Find it. But that kind of got me started, and I read a bunch of like Star Wars and Star Trek uh, fan fiction. That was mostly what I read, but I, I but that was like in the mid '90s, so I mean, I read a lot of it then, but I haven't read any for a long time. Well, if anyone out there uh, knows. Where they can find yeah. the, the uh, story where <laughs> Sam leaps into Q, you can email Pax at Pax at nerdlunch.net. Please email me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jay? Have you uh, ever dabbled into uh, fan fiction at all as far as reading it? Yeah, it was never something that I was into, but at, like Pax mentioned, um, I would say back in like the mid, the early to mid 90s, uh, I guess the mid 90s, like Star Wars. Fan fiction kind of got me a little bit. I was reading a little bit of it because at that time, you know, there was no Star Wars stuff around. Like, it was so hard to even talk to people about Star Wars because it was in a time when there was a lot of people that thought, of, oh, Star Wars is lame. It's old. It's, you know, only your certain friends, like, were into Star Wars. So, and then you would discover it and you'd say, wow, there's other people out there who like it. And then, when the prequels came out, everybody liked it again. So I think for I did read a little bit of the Star Wars fan fiction, but not extensively. Yeah, that's right. I kind of remember that like the Timothy Zahn novels sort of kicked off a flurry of Star Wars novels and even comic books. I think there was like mm-hmm. Dark Empire or something that Dark mm-hmm. Wars started publishing. And and then like, after that, there was, there was no stopping uh, Star Wars novels and comics from that point. Right. So was yeah. for you guys, was this... Uh, like before you got into the expanded universe or was this like expanding your expanded universe? (laughs) I I would say it's probably before even, I think before even read the Zon trilogy. Uh, For me, I think I had read, I think it was right around the same time. I think I had read the Zon trilogy and I read a couple of the other books and then started getting into the internet and found other stories. So it was, I'd say right about the same time. I couldn't say for sure which came first. Yeah, it does seem like um, it does seem like in, a, in some ways that uh, fan fiction has sort of set the tone for some of what we're getting now in in like expanded universe stuff. And I can't I can't necessarily speak for it in everything, but um, like some of what I read in uh, comic books, like Firefly. Um, there was recently a Firefly story that went back and explained. Uh, the Shepherd book story, and I get—I guess it's you know—it's—it's it's an authorized story, but there's like in fan fiction, there's all this stuff about let's go back and explain these things, and uh, it seems like that's what the expanded universe often does. Is in Star Wars or Star Trek or Firefly or whatever, it's let's fill in these little gaps because people want to know. Mm. I would agree with that. I mean, I haven't read a ton of the Star Trek novels, but I, you know, did read a few when I was in high school, and I think it scratches the same itch. You know, I think it's really trying to satisfy that same uh, desire in the fan base. 
Yeah, definitely. Because there's so many, <clears throat> there's so many of those uh, stories where they explain how Q is related to Trelane. Or they go back to the, uh, you know, the next generation crew goes back to the planet where a piece of the action takes place. And we find out what's happened there. And there's all those things that like fans were curious about. And they don't ever address it on the show, but they do finally address it in novels or comic books. So you're going to be reviewing the Anzati novel for us, right? <laughs> where we get the Riker Troy romance all broken down. That's right. Well, yeah, that's another good example is the Anzati stuff. Yep. Uh, so to explain what we did for this episode is we all picked a story from the site fanfiction.net. And we focused on a television show, Fanfiction. And uh, I just kind of want to talk to you guys briefly about fanfiction.net. And I had run across this site sometime in the last few months. And I remember sort of being somewhat amazed and horrified at the same time. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Pax, what did you think when you went to fanfiction.net? Like, what was just your initial reaction? Uh, well, I first started clicking around and I was like, I think I've been here before and I'm still not for sure <laughs> if I ever have been. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was amazing. I started clicking around and I saw the list of properties that there are stories for. And I'm like, like, really? There's like, I mean, <laughs> like TV shows and movies, like, like TV shows that it, that maybe had one episode and there's like 30 stories about it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So, uh, this is now my new favorite site. <laughs> there was like Benson fan fiction on there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is ridiculous. Some of the awesome stuff that they have on here. I mean, I, I literally took two hours trying to figure out what story I was going to do. Yeah. Jeej, what did you think about this site when you got there? Uh, I had a similar reaction. I was stupefied by some of the things, you know, just obscure TV shows like, who the hell is going to write Barney Miller fan fiction? Why? <laughs> but then you get into some of these areas where, like, it's, it's not even a property where there are stories or established characters. Like, there's a whole section on marching band fan fiction. Like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, and, and if, wrestling if you want to know, just go to fanfiction.net. <laughs> exactly. And there's like, hundreds of stories about marching bands, like what, whatever. Um, and then wrestling. There's almost 30,000 wrestling-related wow. fanfiction stories on this site, uh, from WWE to amateur wrestling, other things. Just crazy. Wow. Jay, what did, you, what did you think when you went there? Um, you know, I, I was surprised that there are sites out there that are still set up in the same way where it's just like text. And it kind of looks like it's probably this been the same way since they started their website, you know, and it's just looks like it's from 1995, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there and I kind of had an easier time than the other guys only because I felt like certain things, uh, like I don't know enough about them to even uh, bring them up and, and talk about them in a like in a intelligent way. So, <laughs> but there's a lot on there that I wanted to talk about. But like for instance, if you there's just you know being that I'm the Jersey guy, there's a TV show a few years back called Point Pleasant, and they have Point Pleasant. Um, fan fiction and it was only on for one season you know and i i don't even think anybody remembers that show except people who like the 
30 people who watched it, you know, so well, they, they're, they're extensive. On everyone there. who watched it wrote a fan fiction story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they even have stories about shows that I don't even understand how you come up with stories like American Idol fan fiction. It's, <laughs> it, it's on here. That exists. And I don't know what they write about, but I want to know now. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> now that you mentioned American, I want to see if American Gladiators has uh, fan fiction. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there. We'll we'll get uh, in just a little bit. We'll get into what we chose. But I mean, like, there are. I, I don't know. I, I I don't even have a way of guessing. But I mean, just some of these shows have like thousands. Just one show. Just for example, the show Glee has fifty six thousand fan fiction stories written for it. <clears throat> Other shows have you know can have just as many or have a thousand or more and. And just, it's amazing to me that you know that there are that many people who are sitting down and re- and writing Glee fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I guess that's sort of the thing that was horrifying to me. You know, it's like okay, it's amazing that somebody's taking the time to like assemble these things here and create a forum for this, and everyone's found found this place. But fifty six thousand stories on Glee. I mean, just what. What what is humanity doing? Like, can we not take that brain power and work on other things? But uh, I don't know. This is the guy hosting the Nerd Lunch podcast. Yeah, exactly. That's then that's where my thoughts go, and I I stop thinking. Some of the uh, stories are real short, though. I noticed too. You know, if you just click on random ones, you might get one that's like not even two paragraphs. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot that aren't finished i noticed when i was kind of going through was that there was a denote and there would be something denoting whether it was completed or not and i could you know as i was kind of doing some different filters i I would kind of wean my topics down by seeing if they were complete or not and yeah i wish i had discovered that before i picked my story (laughs) yeah (laughs) i definitely found that out afterwards yeah um well, before we get into what we chose, then let's. Were there any categories or were there any shows that you thought about choosing that you did not? And uh, Jay, let's let's start with you. As you were looking through it before you get, before you talk about what you did choose, was there anything you did not choose? Yeah, well, like like I mentioned before, there was um you know Point Pleasant. I wouldn't even have chose that because nobody remembers it. But then there's a cartoon that I like. Um, on the Disney XD called Kick Batowski. And it's, uh, he's this little <laughs> daredevil guy. He's like, um, almost like an evil Knievel guy. And, um, he, but he's a little kid. And I dressed up, uh, as him for Halloween. I said, you know, no, nobody's going to know about this. So I'm not going to get into that, you know? And a lot of the stuff that I clicked on was, you know, kind of like, not not immature, but I mean, it wasn't, it was juvenile because it's a kid show. So you could tell, you know, there's probably some like, you know, like 12 year olds writing this, who knows, maybe even younger. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to get into something like that. And then I saw some of the things like from the eighties that I kind of was into they they had like shows like family ties and who's the boss i'm like wow who's the boss fan fiction you know like who knows what that's about so <laughs> I, I mean i tossed out so many ideas and um before i arrived at the one that i'm that i'm going to be uh, talking about and you know the the possibilities are endless we could probably do 10 or 15 more shows just talking oh. about some of the ones we wanted to talk about you easily, know easily yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Jeej, uh, was was there any uh, shows you eyed before you settled on your final selection? Yeah, there were a few. I looked pretty long and hard at MacGyver. Um, there were a couple hundred stories uh, for MacGyver uh, <laughs> that uh, it gave me pause because I thought that could be interesting. Um, I looked at Dallas. Uh, yes, <laughs> there were a few dozen Dallas stories, <laughs> and I was uh, curious about that. And there was one actually that I was looking for that there were no stories for, at least that I could find. And I was looking for for Charles in Charge. I thought some Charles in Charge <laughs> fan fiction would have been outrageous. <laughs> that is so weird. You're I totally right. look for that. <laughs> there is no Charles in Charge. Oh. <laughs> why, people? Why? That's a crime. <laughs> well, it gives you something to work on. There's our opening, Nerd Munchers, right there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Pax, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were several things I looked at. Like, obviously, I started in the Star Trek sections, and I mean, there were several juicy ones there. And I went, but I wanted to do something different than that. So I, uh, of course, went into the Teen Wolf section and was dismayed to find that it was all based on the MTV show. Oh, oh. So of course, I immediately left that and uh, started looking around at other stuff. They, they, there's, <laughs> I mean, I went into like they have the. Uh, BBC IT crowd show. There's there's fan fiction for that. I'm like, I mean, it's amazing. So uh, those are the, some of the ones I went into. I actually started looking for Knight Rider, but I had trouble finding some Knight Rider ones. I, I think I found one, but um, I didn't pick any of those because I found one that was perfect. So uh, so those were some of the ones I kind of looked into. All right, I looked at um, uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of looked at several different ones, but the one that I almost chose um, and even started reading a couple of stories, but then moved off of that topic was Saved by the Bell. I really strongly <laughs> thought about Saved by the Bell, and uh, there were several stories that seemed that were that were like taking place now, like sort of a Saved by the Bell. Where are they now? And I uh, ultimately changed my mind because I didn't want it to ruin my own fan fiction ideas for Saved by the Bell. So, <laughs> I didn't want to be when I when I eventually write my Saved by the Bell fan fiction about where are, where are they now. I don't want it to taint what I've got in my exactly. head. Exactly, so. you don't want to taint the well. <laughs> so, so now I presume this will be all after uh, Zach and Kelly's wedding, or the ones that were on there, yes. And then my fan fiction story does take place after Zach and Kelly's wedding, yes. Good, good to know. Does it involve the Zack Attack band? <laughs> <laughs> my my fan fiction story? Yes. Uh, I could incorporate them in, yes, yes. They're, they would please, be easily, easily incorporated <laughs> in. Believe me, my story someday will happen. Don't, don't give up the goods here, man. Someday it will happen. Yeah, don't blow the wad yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's then move on to um, kind of talking about the stories we chose and and, uh, and all that, get into a big discussion about that. So, Jeeves, let's start with you. Uh, tell us the show that you chose. The show that I chose was Magnum P.I. <laughs> and why did you choose Magnum P.I.? Uh, it is uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. And uh, based upon the, the pre-show notes when uh, you'd asked, you know, examine it for, you know, continuity and character and sort of how does it stack up to the actual show – uh, I thought I should pick something that I was more or less an expert uh, on to really be able to judge that stuff accurately. And, you know, 
as uh, as someone who's really interested in whether or not Rick can have a romance, I really thought that uh, I should pick a story that explored that. <laughs> <laughs> I assume I'm the uh, resident expert on Magnum here. Yeah, I, I have yeah. seen like the first three seasons. I started I started watching them before I started grad school, and I, it's been a while since I've watched any. So I, you are you are the expert. Although I could I can talk to you about it to some extent. Okay. Uh, so the, the name of the story that I chose was Maui Mob and the sort of the criteria that I used to pick are, are really not that interesting. I was going uh, a bit off of logistics. Um, there is uh, a review capability on fanfiction.net and so I was trying to find something that had a, a sizable set of reviews so I could get some handle on whether or not this thing was any good and there weren't very many Magnum stories period let alone ones that had many reviews so this one stood out because of that and then the other parameter i was looking at was length something i could actually read because some of these are forty thousand words sixty thousand words you know it's like reading a novella and i did not have time for that so i was looking for something (laughs) that somebody thought was decent and that was not too long but long enough and this this fit the bill for that Cool. Now, did this show, did it set up when it takes place? Like, did it say anything like, this takes place between episodes, you know, 317 and 318 or anything like that? Or It does not. And that actually ended up being one of the issues I had with it is because the author, um, like, is basically retconning a bunch of Magnum continuity. And so that makes it difficult to determine when this thing actually takes place. There are characters in it that uh, get killed during the run of Magnum. And so I don't know if it's taking place before they got killed in the show or if in this reality, they never died. I don't know. Um, so it's hard to tell when this takes place. Okay. All right. Can you give us then a, uh, sort of a synopsis of the story? Sure. So the, the brief summary is this. We get a, a setup of a, of a woman that's uh, fleeing to Hawaii and looking for Magnum to help her, um, which is not an uncommon sort of scenario on the show. Um, uh, this woman attracts the attention of a, a Magnum's pal Rick, who's the guy who runs the club and has the, the mob connections um, and is sort of a ladies' man in the show, doesn't really settle down. Um, you know, and so he's, he's trying to put some moves on her, and, and she's uh, somewhat interested but mostly a flirt. Um, and that goes on for a little bit, and then you uh, – uh, have it revealed that this woman is actually Magnum's younger sister, which is uh, something <laughs> new uh, that was not in the show. Um, and so most of the story uh, sort of goes back between two points. It's this romance between Rick and Magnum's younger sister. And then also the people that are chasing Magnum's sister who are uh, mafia types from Chicago uh, where she, as a graduate student, witnessed a mob hit. And so they're trying to find her and silence her so she can't go to the cops and get uh, the mob in trouble for that. And uh, as I alluded to earlier, this story is not marked complete. So basically we get to a point where um, Magnum's younger sister has been kidnapped by some mafia goons and Rick and TC and Higgins and Magnum are trying to work with the police to find her. And that's where the story ends. She's <laughs> tied up in a hotel room, so I have no idea if she lives or dies. Although I guess we can make up the ending right here if we want. 
Uh, well, uh, who who is the writer of this? Is there a uh, username? Did you happen to catch that? Uh, Lyric Kelly is the username of this author. Okay. Did you happen to do any exploration? Does uh, Lyric Kelly write any other stories? Or she just- has one other story. Let me click and see what it is. Um, she wrote a story for the movie Troy as well. <laughs> okay. That is I did not know those fan bases overlapped a lot, but there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Okay. I would, I would have thought, you know, um, a Simon and Simon fan fiction or uh, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> All right, so you've kind of alluded already to um, your you not you you don't find it very faithful in a lot of ways as far as continuity. Did Lyric Kelly did it, do a good job as far as characterizations of the of the characters and stuff? Or it was hit and miss. I thought she actually wrote Rick quite well. Um, he was pretty much in character throughout, and I could really believe that the dialogue she had him saying um, could be in the show. Uh, the other characters were were weaker. I especially thought um, her magnum was not very good. Um, she does do the bits with the inner dialogue. You know, uh, one of the hallmarks of Magnum PI is, is Magnum will have this inner dialogue because he's trying to figure out the mystery and his little voice is telling him things about who to trust <laughs> yes, and not. Yes. not. Um, and so she has that in the story, but it was it was difficult um, to believe that that was authentic at times. And then there was also this. Um, recurring she would have a song lyric that would be woven through each chapter and that's formatted exactly the same as inner dialogue in italics and so you're reading along and it's like i don't think magnum would say that and then you realize <laughs> it's lyrics of an abba song or something that are <laughs> interspersed in the chapter and well, so i did not, did not kelly like that. <laughs> yes that must be her her mojo i don't know it's her, her modus operandi when she's doing yes. fanfic <laughs> So I could do without that. I'm sorry, Kelly, if you're listening. But uh, <laughs> um, and then the other characters. I mean, uh, TC and Higgins are the only other two that are really in it to any great extent, and they were both okay. Um, there were some passages that, that were all right, and others that were a little bit off. I get what you're saying about the uh, sort of the inner monologue sort of thing, and, I, and I'll probably bring that up when I talk about mine. But I think. I think if anything, you know, because all I guess the rules with fan fiction or yeah, fanfiction.net, as I was sort of doing a little bit of uh, reading, is that no no stories posted there can appear in script form. They have to be written in prose form. And so I, as I was reading my story, I sort of had I sort of struggled with that prose storytelling and getting inside the characters' heads. And I, I would think that Magnum, though, because of the, its nature, and you do get the inner dialogue of of Magnum, that it would lend itself better to fanfic than maybe some other stories. Yeah, I think that part would would work fine uh, without the lyrics uh, and the way those are formatted, sort of messing it up. Because basically, you'd come across one of these passages, and you'd have to think about, okay, is this Magnum? Is is this you know Waylon Jennings singing some song? <laughs> <laughs> And so that that made uh, the reading not not flow as well as it might have. What about plot wise? Do, do you have any uh, thoughts on that, or or it, because it wasn't complete, you really can't judge? I, it would be hard to judge. Um, I thought the setup was actually pretty good. Sort of the um, 
uh, introduction and then the reveal that it's Magnum's sister. I thought all that stuff was actually pretty good. The uh, what ended up being the end of the story, but is I think is probably more the middle or about three quarters of the way through um, where the action picks up. I did not think was written as well. Yeah. So would you want more Magnum fiction from this person or would you prefer someone else to write more Magnum fiction? I think I'd look at, at some other authors. Um, I, cause I don't really like the, the retconning of, of the sort of Magnum universe. I mean, there's a fair bit of stuff that's left unsaid in the TV show. And so there's plenty of like white space that you could work with there, but then she's gone back and, you know, redid sort of Magnum's origin story and and done some things with, you know, uh, the character Mac, who is dead in most of the series. He dies in the second season. Um, he's alive in this. And so you're not sure, like, is, is he supposed to be alive or is this before he gets killed? Um, the the bit with Magnum's sister and sort of the family backstory of, you know, what their relationship is and what uh, Magnum's relationship is to his family is is really not the same as it is in the show. And and so I didn't like that stuff. And so I'd, I'd want something that doesn't do that. How would you end the story? How would I end the story? I think you've got to have um, Rick play a, a fairly active role in the rescue of, of Magnum's sister, Julie, because that's what's going to seal the deal on the romance. Right, fellas? <laughs> so you know, if we're going to get these two crazy kids together, Rick's got to got to kick a door in somewhere and tackle some guy <laughs> and uh, save the day. So, um, you know, I didn't like where it was going right when it ended. They in, um, the author introduced um, it's basically like a hooker, I think, that was uh, uh, giving service to one of the kidnappers. <laughs> and uh, she discovers a Magnum sister tied up in this uh, hotel room and is going to like take a message to the police or something. And I thought that was like uh, completely um, pointless, like to introduce some other character that's going to resolve the conflict. It's like it's got to be. Uh, one of our primaries here that actually uh, makes the break in the case and and then gets us to the conclusion. So I would change that, but then at some point I'd have Magnum and Rick and TC storm in the hotel room and and taken down the mafia guys. Did was there a lot of um, so another thing about this fanfiction.net is you can sort or do a search on the stories based on what they're rated. Mm-hmm. Did your so what do you know what your story was rated as far as like um uh and I guess like there was the the most explicit or whatever is rated M I think Yeah this is uh this is rated T for teen I guess Okay so was there a lot of um uh content in this that you would not normally see in a Magnum PI story like additional swearing or uh, sex scenes or graphic violence or anything like that? No, I would say it's on par with, you know, Magnum or other kind of action series that would, would have been on in the eighties. You know, there was, you know, somebody had a gun and there was, you know, some fisticuffs and things like that. Gotcha. And, gotcha. Uh, but certainly nothing that would warrant a higher rating. I don't think. Okay. All right. So overall, um, you, I guess if if Lyric Kelly does finish the story, you're not you're probably not going to rush out and and read the rest of it. Um, probably not. I mean, it it would be uh, 
only because I had gone that far and then I could say I finished uh, my own little mini nerd marathon. But uh, uh, other than that, I, I, could, I could live without knowing the end. And right. it sounded like about what I thought Magnum PI fiction would be. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with sister getting kidnapped and everything. Complete with the sister. All right. Uh, well, Jay, let's move on to you and uh, tell us what show you chose for your story. I chose She-Ra, Princess of Power. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I told you, I told you nothing. That made me, that news made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, a weird choice, you know, when, when people think about it. But for me, it's not because growing up a huge uh, He-Man fan, you know, also liking She-Ra was not too weird, you know, because it, in some respects it was like a tighter show, no pun intended. <laughs> but, you know, like it was something that caught my eye and I think it's broad enough that uh, I think everybody could relate to it if you even know just a little bit about She-Ra. So that's why I, that's why I finally chose that. Plus, like Jeej mentioned uh I wanted something that was uh, uh, easy enough to read, like short enough that wasn't going to be like three or four pages long, and um, basically something that I could really get into and speak about and not sound like an idiot. So that's where I just that's how I decided on that. Okay. Uh, so this story was. Um what was the name? What was the author's name? Okay, the the author's name is Virus, and uh, and as I look him up, he's got quite a range of of different stories that he's written. Uh, he's got stuff from from iCarly fan fiction, <laughs> to, to wow. Star, uh, Star Wars, Doctor Who. He's got all kinds of stuff: Spawn, Witchblade. Um, in Montana. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he does a fan fiction of the origin of Wario from Mario. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's got a lot going on there. <laughs> virus, and, uh, virus sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> virus. And uh, the the story that he uh, that he came up with that uh, it was the title that really got me. Also, it was called an Ethereum Slumber Party. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you were on fanfiction? Yeah. <laughs> I felt another like I, I felt like I went to a different site after I clicked. <laughs> right. <laughs> An Ethereum slumber party. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, oh, "How can I not talk about this?" <laughs> it's I, like a, yeah. It's like a goal. What, what was the rating on this story? Should we ask <laughs> well, that up front here? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> It, it says K plus, which it's. Then I looked it up. It said, um, I guess some content not suitable for children. So I mean, really, it, it doesn't get too like racy or anything. But I think it's what it is very perverse because it's almost like what you're not uh, reading is uh, the stuff that's implied is, uh, and plus it's written from a guy, you know. And he even says in the beginning, as a disclaimer, he says, you know, um, he says it was hard to write this because I'm a guy. So, you know, it's definitely like from like a horny dude's perspective, you know. 
(laughs) (laughs) So that was like kind of like like a selling point there. And um, all right, so give us sort of a synopsis of an Ethereum slumber party. What? Sure, sure. It it was um, (laughs) Adora, who is for those who actually don't know, is Shira's alter ego, and she. She brings spoilers, up. yes. <laughs> Way to ruin the show. <laughs> so she goes, she's talking to all her girlfriends like um, uh, Glimmer and Frosta and Castaspella and all the other girl characters. And uh, the, she brings up the idea of having a slumber party. And of course, they're, they don't really know what it is because I guess on Etheria. You know, they don't have these American customs, you know. So they decide to have the slumber party in in a Castle Bright Moon. And meanwhile, uh, Imp, who is Hordak's uh, little creature, he goes and flies over and spying on them, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. Yes. Allow me to interject that this is the best story ever. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Imp is this little... Like tiny little like kind of pig creature, and he's like he's like a bat pig type thing. I re- I remember him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, they're having their party, and you know, Adora said like, "Oh, what you know, what should we do?" And they all bring over like hair and nail products to do each other's nail, like a typical girl slumber party. And and then um, <laughs> it, there's one line that says, "Later that night, the girls were in Glimmer's room." All in their nightwear, and then <laughs> he has in he has in parentheses, which in some cases were quite provocative. I'll leave it up to you as to who was wearing what. <laughs> so you're thinking of the their cartoon characters, but of course, like when I was watching this, I was like five or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> you're looking at girls and you're like wow we've done so, a whole cartoon crushes episode before so <laughs> we've, we've been there <laughs> and we thought that was as creepy as the show was gonna get but who knew <laughs> so finally glimmer uh, as they're all hanging out glimmer says she wants to talk about boys so and it's weird he, he actually wrote boys now, like i think they're kind of adults in the show at that point i don't know if they're like 15 or anything so uh frosta reiterates um you know, like, yeah, let's talk about boys, but what do you want to talk about? And then she says, well, what boy do you want to have some fun with? And the have some fun with is in parentheses. <laughs> was, it, so, was it in parentheses because it was a lyric from Lyric Kelly? <laughs> Virus and Lyric Kelly should collaborate. They should. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, Hordak gets real angry because Imp come ba- comes back to him and says, you know, oh, I saw Adora and, and the girls are having a, uh, one of these slumber parties, and Hordak automatically gets all belligerent, thinking they're planning an attack on the Horde. You know, like, how could they do this? And, you know, get, go get more information. So then Imp flies back uh, to Castle Brightmoon to spy some more. So <clears throat> it turns out that Glimmer starts talking about he uh, not He-Man, yeah, He-Man as one piece of manliness or something like that. <laughs> and, and then they start going on and on. And Adora gets, she really quickly changes the subject. And then it becomes like a weird Marsha and Greg Brady moment. And uh, toward the end, 
Imp finally goes back to Hordak and, and explains it's not, they're not planning an attack on the Horde. It's not like a, you know, anything bad. They're just having a slumber party. So in the background, you see Catra, Scorpia, and Octavia, who were the Horde girls, all heading into Catra's uh, quarters to have a slumber party of their own. <laughs> and then you hear, you, you, the, the ending of this story is just a complete, it's just the most abysmal ending. It's almost like when you're watching a, a sketch on SNL and the, and the ending just made no sense. And you're like, wow, they couldn't have came up with anything better than that. You know, so it, I think the ending really makes you wonder. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll explain it real quick. Um, he says, uh, Hordak says, um, you know, get me a drink. He says to him, uh, like a drink of alcohol and. Imp says, oh, but you made alcohol illegal or something like that. He says, I don't care. Get me a drink anyway. <laughs> I'm like, that's the end of the story. It's, it's just horrible. And what was actually beyond what really got to me was like the fact that you can't be talking about alcohol in Etheria because it brings you completely out of the fantasy world, you know, and you start thinking like, wow, does Hordak come home and like just want a beer, you know, from like having a really hard day, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so this was like a complete like wacky story. And then I, I know that you were mentioning before, like how would you improve on, on a story like this? And I don't see how you can at this point, really. I, I was going to say, I actually – if you really it had that wackiness and it could have been an episode except for one huge detail is that there was no interaction like there was no final like fight with the the, the uh, villain um so my theory was like hordak and uh, imp brings hordak to the slumber party and they wind up like chilling with the girls and you know doing each other's nails like that typical type thing where hordak starts you know gossiping and whatnot and getting his nails done and then what happens is shadow weaver comes and tries to you know like says to hordak what are you guys doing you got to go back you know and you then you really see who who wears the pants in the horde you know (laughs) and and you see who really wears the pants in the horde (laughs) i I think that's the quote of the week (laughs) (laughs) even though she doesn't wear any pants but no, like I would think something would happen in that respect where maybe Shadow Weaver would fight all them and then Hordak would eventually go bad again. But it, it, it's one of those wacky things. Like even in the in some of the episodes where you see Skeletor uh, help helping He Man or he he turns good for one episode, it would be like one of those weird like offshoot episodes. But th- this one was really odd, needless <laughs> to say. Yeah. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, um, Jeej and Pax, do you guys have any questions before uh, before I move on to my last couple of questions for Jay? So there was no Eternia He-Man characters at all. It was all Etheria. Right. Yeah. It was. It was all Etheria. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was amazing. <laughs> Pax, your head would have exploded had Orko shown up at that or something. I know. <laughs> So you've kind of yeah you've kind of covered most of the questions that I that I had you given the synopsis and you kind of given what you would change I mean do you feel like the the characterizations were pretty faithful and dead on or was it really more of a comedic bent and not really trying to be faithful um, you know it was listed under humor uh, so I mean it, it is like basically like kind of like a farce uh, little comedic story but the, for the most part 
what characterization is there is pretty faithful. He doesn't get into too much detail, so but I, I would give it to him to say it's it's pretty much close to how those episodes were, except for a few details. Okay, all right. Would you uh, would you read more by Virus? Then would you? Are you going to look for some iCarly stories or anything? Like that? <laughs> I think I, I'd, give, I'd give it a shot. I'd see what else he's got. Yeah, I mean, just to see uh, his his uh, his grammar and his spelling are are awful, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> That's how we separate the amateurs from the pros, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, before we move on to packs, let me just jump in on uh, mine. And uh, I will uh, talk about the, ca- the show I chose, which was The A Team. Good one. No surprise there. No yeah. surprise there. <laughs> I, I love The A Team. And I tell you what, I was really looking at the Save by the Bell stuff, as I mentioned earlier, and what, what, finally sold me on the A-Team was I realized we have not talked about the A-Team nearly enough on this podcast, and here was my opportunity to do it. So so I was circling on a couple of different stories, and I did eventually choose uh, one that was by Billy Invisible Dog, who is named after Murdoch's Billy the Invisible Dog, uh, who was a uh, recurring character on the a-team so i liked that and i sort of settled on uh on this story for that reason and it looked like uh it looked like it filled in some gaps as well into the uh a-team mythos so did it say when this took place obviously after they introduced billy the invisible dog right actually uh actually no this so this this story isn't uh say within like as an introduction but it does i did piece together where it took place and it takes place after the two-hour premiere and before the second episode. Oh, interesting. So this story is what uh, more, well, I didn't feel like it was needed necessarily, but it's what more formally uh, finalizes Amy's role on the team and sort of makes, like solidifies her place in the A-team because of this. Interesting. All right. So, what was it about? Okay. So, it's a fairly fairly typical uh, A team plot is sort of in progress. Um, we start off though, we're, we're we join Amy, and we get a lot of her inner dialogue, her her inner monologue, and sort of what's going on in her mind. And so, we she's at the she's at the uh, newspaper, and she's sort of in you know in her mind complaining about the fact that the A team really haven't used her since they've gone to Mexico and rescued her reporter friend and, and the, in the pilot. And, uh, um, so she's, she's wanting to be more on the team and, and, uh, hasn't been able to be utilized at all. All she's been doing is research and the kind of clerical work and stuff like that. And so then we cut to the A team and they are investigating a guy they think is behind a protection racket and they can't, for whatever reason, get close to him. But they notice he's all the time got these pretty girls surrounding him. So they get the idea to send Amy in and uh, maybe she can sort of infiltrate this guy Carlos Flores's uh, circle because she's pretty and all that. So uh, Face buys her a bikini and she goes in with the bikini to this beach setting where this guy is and he and she catches his eye. And then most of the story is then... At least a good, 
two-thirds of it is about her going on dates with this guy. <laughs> so she goes on dates, and then the A-team are following them and watching her. And uh, it got weird. It got weird in some spots. <laughs> they get a little awkward. It spots. got very weird because I guess I didn't notice. I didn't really think, okay, this is rated PG-15. It's rated T. I thought it was going to be okay. And, and it's fine. It's just there were a couple of spots that were very weird. For example... There's a scene where Murdoch has to like give her some information while she's on a date, and so he winds up pulling her into this like closet or something, and Murdoch winds up kissing Amy. They have this like passionate kiss. And Murdoch I, and Amy? Yes, Murdoch and Amy. Huh. Yeah, that's weird. So there's yeah. <laughs> Thanks for backing me up. So <laughs> you're not alone. So that happens, and then there's this other weird, like there's this uh, sexual tension between Amy and Face that occurs throughout throughout the uh, story, and then meanwhile that's all going on while she's going on these dates with Carlos Flores, the villain of the piece, and she's seemingly falling for him, but trying not to because she's running this con, and she doesn't. So she she then suddenly doesn't believe that he's behind it, but they're sure he is, but they can't prove it. So sorry, kid, you're gonna have to go out on one more date. And they have all the, like, I don't know, it just winds up being, like, they do the same sort of stuff where they, they set up a time, they set up an office, and they set up the situation where they're going to get beat up by the bad guys, but they're doing it so they can get information or kind of assess the uh, the weaknesses of the bad guys. Um, but then, like, that doesn't really advance the plot. It just winds up being more of a this, uh, like, situation where she can get, oh, sorry, we didn't get what we needed. You have to go on another date. And, uh, like, he winds up, like, taking her to, uh, he, like, winds up going in a helicopter to San Francisco for this dinner. We're reading all about the details of this dinner and how she's trying to call the A-team. And it just, it's a lot of mundane details about, about this stuff. But then every so often there's these weird things like the kiss with Murdoch or her weird sex dream she had with (laughs) Carlos and Face. (laughs) <laughs> Tell us more about that. Yeah, I was hoping BA was going to be. In. And, and and apparently Murdoch was in the room. I mean, apparently there was just like this weird, yeah. And it didn't go into a lot of detail. It was just like it cuts to the next chapter, and she's in bed with Face. And I instantly knew it's a dream because, I mean, this isn't like high literature or anything. But then, like as she's getting ready to wake up, Face, then Carlos comes in and is is advancing on her and then she wakes up so there's not a whole lot of detail huh. it's just weird yes it is um you know and then usual stuff happens uh, it turns out carlos is the bad guy after all and he wants to he wants to hurt amy but they don't let they don't let him and they beat the bad guy and da, 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 plan comes together and then all of it sort of solidifies her on the team like oh you did good kid you know you can really be a part of the team now which was something that they had already done in the first episode, so I don't know. That's that's what happened. Huh. Well, I'm not gonna lie. When you first started, it sounded like a setup I really like. Um, taking up right after that first pilot. Um, my first question is: Did and sometimes I know in fan fiction they'll do this since this is based on a TV show. Did he mention anything at all about that? In the pilot, face is a completely different guy. Than in the next episode. Not that I noticed, I because I was watching for that. I was hoping that this would actually explain that because I've often, I've often, 
<laughs> in my own uh, attempts to think of fan fiction stories, I've wondered how can I explain the differences between the faces in the first episode and the rest of the series. Yeah. And um, to this day, I haven't come up with a solution, but someday I will. Apparently. <laughs> Because then that completely ruins the point of doing an episode right after the pilot where you don't explain the differences there. So that, that kind of is just very disappointing to me. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't explain that. Um, yeah, and there's so, some... Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, there's just some weird characterizations in it. I was going to kind of just address that. Like more, I was going to ask, is there the other guys in there enough to even know how they're characterized? Um, yeah, B.A. and Hannibal take a backseat quite a bit to this. I mean, Amy's in it a lot. It's, the story is... They take Amy in the backseat, or... <laughs> <laughs> that was a different dream, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amy is quite... Uh, she is the star of this particular story. And I would say then, Face is probably the next... The, you know, the character who then next gets the uh, most quote-unquote screen time next... Uh, and Murdoch, uh, probably after that, VA and Hannibal, not as much. Just sort of this. Uh, every so often they'll check in, and Hannibal will be there. And Hannibal's characterization is way off. Um, I mean, Hannibal's my one of my all-time favorite characters in fiction. Period. And every so often you'd get like this inner monologue for him, or there would you know be a little bit of reference as to what he was thinking. And Hannibal's one of those characters that I don't want to know what he's thinking. I. He's just Hannibal, and he does stuff. And that's part of what I hated about this story was that he knows that Carlos Flores is the bad guy in the story. He knows that there's no need to even do this whole routine. I mean, I get like every so often they need to do cons for for certain reasons, but but the fact that like they're having to continually send her out on dates uh, just makes the A team look inept, and I I don't like that. So yeah. So, obviously, I'm I'm inferring that you would not want to read more A-Team stories from this author. Uh, this, <laughs> and this author has written 66 stories for the A-Team. For wow. the A-Team? Wow. Yes, this person has only, apparently only written, at least for this site, has only written A-Team fan fiction. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and all those A-Team stories take place between the pilot and the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps was the author uh, male or female? I don't know. Um, it's I mean the the name of the uh, character, the name of the the avatar's name or whatever is Billy Invisible Dog. So I guess oh, right. I I thought it was Billy. I mean I yeah. a, a boy, a man, a male, but um, I, I guess I'm not for sure. I, I would guess that's the case. I don't feel like his Amy was really spot on either. It really. Was, read like it was a female story, you know, female's uh, character written from a male perspective a lot of times. So, Did you go and peruse any of his other stories? Not that you read them all, but I didn't know if you went in and just checked out a couple of others that he wrote. No, unless he wrote the the other one I was eyeing was an A-Team UFO story that I should have read instead. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> was this thing tagged as romance? <laughs> is it with all the dating and whatnot it's a uh, adventure drama is the category mm. category it's given I, so. that seems to be one of the issues with this site is sort of figuring out what you've got before you read it is very difficult 
Yeah. Like you'd look at that story like, okay, is this going to be about Amy's dating life? <laughs> Probably not. And then you get into it and it's mostly about that. <laughs> yeah, it's about her, yeah, her insecurities, her, you know, and this there's a weird thing, there's a lot of reference to coffee in this in this story. Like <laughs> a lot of times coffee kept being brought up, like Amy needed to go get coffee and then they had the A team set up a uh, an office like a fake office for this building because Hannibal was posing as Amy's dad and he was this rich business owner and the coffee pot broke and there was this like weird subplot about getting a new coffee coffee maker or something like that and they I mean they just t- kept talking about coffee it was just weird <laughs> <laughs> wow coffee and dating great choice yes Hannibal loves it when a latte comes together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I I am curious about uh, more A team fan fiction. There was a little bit of um, there was another one I looked at that was more of a like what is like what is what happened after the end of the series. Um, that was another one where I decided not to read it because uh, you know I have my own ideas and I don't want it, want them to be tainted. So <laughs> for future fan fiction. Or whatever. I mean, just my own <laughs> ideas. I'm just sick like that, so. Yeah. All right. Any other uh, questions about Amy's love life? No. Did they even mention the, van, the van at all? Yeah. <laughs> Did they even mention the van at all? Yeah, there's scenes that take place at the van. or uh, there's, a, there's a point where Murdoch hits the van and B.A. yells at Murdoch about it. And... So they used a lot of the tropes. They did, and you know that's the other thing too. Is there some of the tropes that hadn't really been established yet? That um, like Murdoch's role in the story was more along the lines of what his role would have been later in the series than it would have been at that point in the series. Uh, so, is there a fear of flying part in the there, story? Uh, not for BA. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, let's move on then to you, Pax, and why don't, why don't you tell us what show you chose for your story? All right. Uh, well, first, like I obviously I went into Star Trek first, so the one I really wanted to pick was called Thank You, and it was a Q story because that's what I wanted to do, and that because that's what I remember really getting me into the fanfic in the first place. But unfortunately, that story was like not marked complete, and it was already at. 14 or 15 chapters and I'm like I'm, I'm never going to finish that so so I moved on and I was like okay well I want to move on to a crossover so I started looking at crossover properties and and there's, this site is great because you can look at just crossover sections so you can pick a subject and you can see all the properties it crosses over with so like UCT I did one of the first things I looked for was A-Team and there was an A-Team Angel crossover which I wound up not picking um, because the one that caught my eye and the one I wound up picking is a Torchwood 24 crossover called (laughs) Torchwood LA. (laughs) The mind rails. (laughs) It does. And I just thought that was an amazing idea. So I'm like, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) And the, uh, the author's name is very creatively titled independent dude. (laughs) He's written five stories. Okay. uh, So Torchwood LA, it, I really like how it's structured. The the guy wrote this fairly well, actually. Um, The story take, he does actually in the beginning tell you where exactly this takes place. It takes place right after 
uh, Torchwood, uh, was it Children of Man or Children of Man, the third season. Children, um, Children of Earth? Yeah, Children of Earth. It takes place right after the third season. I haven't seen the third season yet, so that was one concern of mine. But um, And it takes place after the events of 24 season 8, which I have seen all of. So, um, And it, I guess the conceit is that... Uh, Gwen Cooper, uh, the main girl from Torchwood, is uh, moving is moving the operation to America and creating a Torchwood LA office. And she goes to uh, Jack Bauer, who is currently in in a secret prison in America. There, and there's a whole bit of politics about what happened at the end of season eight that I'm not going to go into. Well, why he's in prison, but Torchwood essentially secretly works it. So he gets out and she brings him onto the team and, uh, she takes him to the LA office and he meets the rest of the team. And I was not expecting this, but the main medical officer for Torchwood LA is Greg house. (laughs) 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 Completely blew me away. I was like, what? (laughs) It's like, Okay, so, all right. So, uh, and he meets the team, and and it's written fairly well. It's written kind of like like an episode. I can actually, in my head, kind of see this, how it's going. I've watched plenty of episodes of both these shows, so I can kind of see how it's going. It's mostly... Did it favor, like, the the, the feel favor Torchwood over 24 or vice versa, or did they try and really mesh the styles? He, He tried to mesh the styles, but honestly, it felt like a Torchwood episode that was bringing Bauer into it. Gotcha. Is is really the feeling that I was getting. And, uh, and even though the LA office is something completely different, I still in my head imagine the Cardiff office in the, in the original Torchwood series. Cause that's mainly what I know. Um, and there's mentions to the other characters like Captain Jack, um, which I'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, <laughs> the, so yeah, Gwing recruits him and obviously Bauer comes in and he, he's, doesn't know about the team and they, they he's learning all the stuff that about Torchwood and how it gets started and and uh th- they introduce that there's like a guy and and they have in the cells of Torchwood LA and they introduce him with much dramatic flair at the end of like chapter two it's like Adam Mitchell and I'm like am I supposed to I don't know I'm, that must be someone from season three I have no idea but I wound up looked him up <laughs> Adam Mitchell is actually a character from Doctor Who the one season oh. of Doctor Who that I've seen season nine with Christopher Eccleston uh, he was a companion uh, for two episodes and he turned the, on yeah and he had the, the little circle vagina thing on his head and uh, <laughs> and so so yeah so that was him so I, when I looked him up I was like oh that guy so like it just happened to be a character from Doctor Who from the one season I've seen and uh, he he was pretty cool. He was written pretty well, and and actually surprisingly, for the most part, Jack Bauer was written pretty well. Um, there were a couple things that he said that I I thought were kind of weird, and uh, but and Greg House wasn't in it that much. It was kind of funny that he was even in there in the first place, but he had a couple of lines, and they were very snarky and kind of funny. Um, but the whole thing is like uh, Jack kind of fish out of water, like you know, serious military guy trying to get it, wrap his head around the sci-fi stuff and weird alien artifacts and aliens have been around, uh, uh, for a while. So, and then the, the office gets attacked and he take, he kind of comes into second, he, he becomes second in command and so actually several of the team members get killed. And then 
it it ends it ends abruptly. It's only six chapters, but the way it's written, it's obviously a series. Like this is going to be a series, and I really like how he ended it. Like it, he ended it with where Jack's obviously a part of the team, and that guy Adam Mitchell's become a part of the team, and um, it's Gwen. And then he does one chapter where it's kind of like at the end of the Torchwood series where they do snippets from the next episode. So he he does that. He has like there's like five snippets and it's like little dialogue from the next episode. And, um, they're, they're actually, he wrote two chapters of the next episode, which is called family. And, huh. uh, it, uh, it involves Bowers, uh, daughter, Kim. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but she gets bit by, uh, an alien called a Nostrovite and is impregnated. So that's kind of cool, but it's not finished. So <laughs> she gets, she gets bit and she like becomes pregnant and then then it just kind of ends. So I, I was like, no, I want more. So it, it's it's pretty good. I really enjoyed it. It was a very good mesh up and um, for for the most part. I mean, there were like I said, there were a couple of things. Like there was a very weird obligatory mention about Captain Jack Harness and it's like he's like Lynn was describing him and and for some reason weirdly she she mentioned oh and he's gay which i was like that that was not necessary there was really no reason to say that so, it's like little things like that and i think they were just doing it just to kind of like cuz she was explaining it to jack and like getting a jack reaction out of that and i just thought that was kind of weird but other than that it was very well written and i it's well written in what is going to eventually be a series and like a serial story so i i'm actually pretty glad i picked this one it was well done so you would read more from Independent Dude? I would read more from Independent Dude. Uh, yes, I would. I I went on and read that that one sequel, and I was actually considering a couple of the other ones. He he had uh, he had he'd written one Star Trek Next Generation Doctor Who crossover, <laughs> and he also wrote a uh, an a Eureka fanfic, <laughs> which I've never I've never seen that show, so I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Independent Dude is. Uh, Pretty good. Writ- written actually pretty well. He took it seriously. So, uh, was there anything you would change about it? Or, I mean, I guess you mentioned a couple of things, but anything else you would change? Uh, I mean, other than a, a couple of uh, oddly phrased dialogue, it was, the setup was pretty good. He had a pretty good idea for the story, um, bringing in Jack for a Torchwood LA. Um, I, I mean, Greg House was nothing more than it felt like a little stunt casting, really. And, uh, so I mean I thought that was kind of funny, and then so I mean there's not much I would change. I mean I would I would I would continue on as is just to see where he goes with it because I I really like the idea. So I uh, we have created a monster in you by uh, doing this episode. It appears. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have rekindled the fanfic flame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess on that note, let's just. I mean, is there even if it's not the same. Author, it sounds like Pax. You're gonna, you're probably gonna be revisiting fanfiction.net and checking out some more. Uh, Jay, what about you? I'm actually gonna have it blocked off my computer so I can never get to it again. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I mean may, I maybe you know just to see what kind of weird stuff is on there. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeej, are you uh, itching to get back there and read some more fanfic? Um, there's sort of a perverse interest in getting back there and reading more. I don't know. It's I've got so many other uh, professionally done pieces of content that I'm behind on. Um, I, I doubt it will be soon, but certainly I appreciate the the wealth of oddities that are there. Yeah. 
I uh, I think I'm the same way. I think there's a couple uh, a couple I might more uh, explore more, but uh, mainly uh, mainly I'm looking forward to doing this topic again someday because I think there's so many more to uh, to be reviewed and talked about for sure. Yes, so. we are doing this topic again. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody get to work on that Charles in Charge fan fiction so it's in the pipeline for us. Uh, yes, that and uh, I got to get my Say by the Bell and A Team fan fiction written as well. So you guys can tell me what you think about that. Sounds good. Okay. Well, on that note, let's move on to our nerd to do's. And Pax, we'll go to you. Um, an update on one <laughs> I've been putting this item for like the last three weeks. Um, I ran the marathon on Sunday. I did it as Darth Vader. Uh, my wife made an awesome cape to go awesome. onto my onto my shirt. Um, turned out great. I took pictures of her making it and. Uh, pinning it on the shirt so i'll do a blog post about uh making the cape and running the marathon here in the next couple weeks uh i don't know with the holidays when it's going to go up but at some point there will be pictures and stuff of the of the darth vader outfit i ran the marathon in um and not really much else i got the holidays coming up oh about the only thing when and i added it tonight was go and read more fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) And I also saw that uh, from episode 15, you got that book from Fitz, and you did a blog post about that. So, I did. Uh, yeah, that's right. Listeners, should uh, if you were curious about what that was about, go check out cavalcadeofawesome.net and look for his post about that book. All right. Uh, Jeej. All right. So an update from me as well. Last week I mentioned that uh, I was going to sit down with my wife and watch the cinematic classic Neptune's Daughter with Ricardo Montalban and swimming star uh, Esther Williams. But uh, um, I did that and I will say that Ricardo Montalban is the man and Esther Williams is not a very good actress. She's definitely a better (laughs) swimmer than she is an actress. Um, So if you like Ricardo Montalban, maybe worth your while. Otherwise, um, uh, probably not so much. I I wouldn't wouldn't, uh, expect to see that on classic film jerks anytime soon. And then the other thing on my to-do list is we recently got a dog here in the Casa de Gij. And so um, my wife is uh, busily helping train, you know, on the basics of sit down and lay. I'm working on getting him to attack Cobra Troopers like Snake Eyes' dog, Timber. So I'll let you guys know how that goes uh, once the training has gone. And then write fan fiction about said attack. <laughs> there we go. He'll be the be the uh, the only poodle in GI Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, junkyard timber order, and Jeej's dog. <laughs> Look for it. <laughs> All right, Jay. I have a um, couple things. I still ha- still haven't seen the Muppets. Unfortunately, I got to see that still. And uh, that's on my list. And sitting on my coffee table, uh, the Arkham Asylum games and Arkham City for uh, PS3. And believe it or not, being such a huge Batman fan, I still haven't played them yet. And they've just been sitting there. And it's tough for me to fit video games into my life nowadays, but i got to make some time. So that's, that's very high on the list right now. All right. Well, good luck fitting that in. Thanks. All right, and uh, from me, I just have a couple of um, some movies that I've heard a lot about that I want to see. One I did finally see, and that was uh, Avatar. I finally watched that movie, 
and um, it was about what I thought it was going to be. Had lots of cool effects, and it was a story that I feel like I've seen already before several times. <laughs> um, and then also, I'm uh, looking forward to watching over my little uh, school break uh, the movie Super Eight and the movie Sucker Punch, um, which I have not heard a lot of great stuff about Sucker Punch, but I want to see it anyway. So I think going into it with that mind frame, I should be okay. I'm kind of the same with you on Sucker Punch. Like, I haven't heard great things, but I still want to see. <laughs> I don't know why. Don't know why. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our fan fiction episode. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, Jay, for joining us. Uh, Jay, just quickly give us a summary again about where people listening can find you on social media and uh, your URL again. Sure, yeah. You can uh, check me out at Sexy Armpit uh, on Twitter, and sexyarmpit.com is the blog. And thanks for having me again. Yes, and we'll definitely have you back again in the future. Looking forward to it. Uh, you can read our blogs, uh, Nerd Lunch and Cavalcade of Awesome blogs at nerdlunch.net and cavalcadeofawesome.net. And we are all three also on Twitter. I am at nerdlunch. Jeej is at nerdlunch. Jeej, J-E-E-G. And Pax is at Paxton Holly. And uh, you, uh, you can also find Nerd Lunch on Facebook and Google Plus for updates and stuff there. Um, there are other podcasts in the Atomic Geeks podcasting network. We're not the only one. The premier one was the Atomic Geeks, the one the network's named after. And also look for the Classic Film Jerks at ClassicFilmJerks.com. Uh, all the podcasts are available on iTunes, including this one. And uh, you can do a little thing on iTunes called Leave a Review. And we'd love it if you would leave a review for us, especially if you have lots of nice things to say and you want to leave lots and lots of stars for us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, kapla. This has been Nerd Lunch, a part of the Atomic Geeks Podcasting Network. Nerd Lunch theme by Rick Jackson. Music by Flannel Prime. Please place all trash in the receptacle. Thank you.